0: everybody it's aldo gandhi and i just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened deep dish is where you go and that's tees with t-e-e-s clever name guys they're the new home of our merchandise you can get t-shirts you can get caps you can get coffee mugs you can get hoodies you can get all sorts of good stuff and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase so head over to deep dish Some
1: may find the following disturbing, discretion is advised.
2: Here we go, Barflies! Welcome to the Barfly Tailgate Show. You already know it's done by Barflies for Barflies and all the other Bears fans out there. Uh, I've got Dika and uh, my boy Hallis over here with me, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna start this show on a on a nice chilly Halloween day. Um, Bobby, as you as you guys might not may or may not know, he is at the game uh kb out there saving the world and uh badge is dealing with some personal issues he should be back in a week or two uh so coach you, you
0: sound a lot like that guy aaron current you know i hired you to coach the bears i hired you to do the barfly show <laughs> why are you sounding like this guy aaron carrot and by the way it is really really hot down here in hell man <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, uh, uh, yeah, one thing right. I'm no, not going to do is
3: <laughs>
2: what I'm not going to do is hand the ball to Walter Payton on the goal line.
3: Uh,
0: you would have handed the ball to Walter Payton at the Super Bowl, so he could, he could have gotten his touchdown.
2: Right, right. Why? Well,
0: <laughs> Oh man, it's great being here, brother. I know that you are—you uh, partied last night at your Halloween party, and yeah. the Kentucky guys uh, failed you yesterday, so you got kind of mixed <laughs> feelings this morning, right? A little hangover, a little uh, Kentucky blues.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've got the Kentucky blues today. Like I told you before we got on, uh, um, Kentucky lost, Ole Miss lost, Michigan lost, and Iowa lost. So we had. Four top 12 teams yesterday lose. If uh, Kentucky would have took care of business, they would have been in the top 10, which would have been great. But they didn't. So we'll see a mix-up in college football next week, I guess. And, uh, hey, speaking of Bears, uh, Mel Tucker and those Michigan State Spartans down there, and they uh, they went up to Ann Arbor and took care of business. I don't know how many um, Michigan or Michigan State fans we got in the, in the chat, but uh, I watched some of that game. Like I said, we had a Halloween party, so um, it was just kind of on, kind of background noise. Uh, I was checking on thing it.
0: about Mel Tucker is that, you know, he had a disastrous run here as defensive coordinator at Chicago Bears, and it was not his fault. His, his only fault was accepting the job when they told him, we want run, you to run, Lovey Smith's defense. Mm. You, don't, you don't hire people and then tell them what to do. If you're gonna mm-hmm. hire a guy to be in charge of a complete unit, whether it's the offensive coordinator, the special teams coach, the defensive coordinator, you don't tell that guy we want you to run it the way we he's got it run it his way, his right. style. He's gonna bring yeah. his ideas, his what he's passionate about. And poor Mel Tucker got stuck here with a fading defense with fading stars, uh, and and being forced to run Lovey's defense so that the, there would be seemingly continuity. And what happened that season, they gave up 50 points to the Patriots and, and, and the Packers. It was the most humiliating season in Bears defense history. And mm-hmm. you know everybody was saying, Mel Tucker sucks, Mel Tucker this, Mel Tucker that. Well, he's gone on to prove that he doesn't suck and that he's right. a really capable coach. And when Michigan State won yesterday, I was so happy for him. And I, I hope they go far in, in the Bulls uh, because uh, he, he seems like a good guy and a very competent coach.
2: Yeah, yeah, and not only that, I mean, um, we had, at the time, the GM was Phil Emery, and I just, Phil Emery was just god-awful, man. Like, we talk about Ryan Pace hitting on these late-round picks. Phil Emery would have just picked the guys from those late rounds in, like, the second round, and they'd be out of the league in three years. So, not only was he handcuffed by running someone else's scheme, he was handcuffed with a, a, a team that shouldn't have even been on the field to be completely honest. Yep, exactly. uh, I
0: got a quick Phil Emery story. I can't attribute who told me the story, but uh, when Phil Emery uh, left, was fired from the Chicago Bears, he met the guy who uh, who told me the story. And the guy went up to Phil Emery, they they were friends, and he goes, hey, Phil, how are you? And Phil Emery turns around and says, Fuck you, by the way, Eric Kurt. You are gone. I don't know where you went, but I don't want to do this show solo. So come know. back. But, but Phil turns to the guy, and says, "Fuck you," and, and the guy, you know, co- goes back. wow what's going on? He goes, "You didn't support me. You were happy that I was fired. Fuck you. Fuck you." And, and the guy was like, "Hey, man, I had to tell like it is. You know, I, I work in the media and so forth." And so that was the end of their friendship. And uh, it was very, very bizarre. <laughs> don't get, don't drink. Yeah, uh
2: speaking of bizarre, I don't have a clue what's going on with my computer right now. It's it's oh, cutting in and out and uh you're
0: back. I, I can see you now.
2: I heard you talking the entire time, but my I don't know what the hell just happened. Uh <laughs>
0: looked look, look like your camera just went out for a little while, but uh I can see and hear you. Hey Mule, how are you? Got a nice uh, uh people coming into the bar room here early on a sunday morning thank you all for your live interaction it really uh helps us and um so that's my story i i I unfortunately can't tell you who it was but um it it shows you a little bit of the character of Mm -hmm. memory you know that uh he would go off some on someone like that who but you know they were considered to be friends and how short-tempered he was and yeah you know, I was really pulling for Phil Emery I thought he was going to come in here with some fresh ideas and so forth but he's he's probably the worst general manager even worse than Jerry Angelo
2: yeah I mean I mean when you look at his draft history it's, it's hard to argue against it I mean we had he was drafting guys like like guys that I didn't even know and. As you can tell from the start of this show, I'm sure a lot of people didn't want to hear it, but I'm a I'm a huge college football fan. So not only obviously I'm a giant Kentucky fan, that's my team, but I've watched other teams as well. And I kind of know a little bit about, you know, who's good, who's not. And when I'd see Phil Emery pick these guys, I didn't even know the name. You know, I'm like, like, <laughs> who the fuck is this guy you're picking in the second round? Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, so many of these GMs try to be the smartest guy in the room, you know, so I'm going to draft Adam Shaheen with the second round draft
3: pick. Right, a little, right.
0: A guy who was on hardly anybody's radar. You know, you yeah. have to be a real, real dedicated draft nick, or whatever the, the phrase is, uh, to know who he was. And I, I sort of knew, you know, there was some buzz. Collecting about him, but not second round. Balls. Right. Get if we would have grabbed
2: him in the sixth round or something, it wouldn't have been a big deal. It would have been like, well, I mean, this guy's not playing very well, but he's a sixth round pick. What do you expect? You know. But right. but grabbing him in the second, and he went to like, I, I don't know, south southwest corner of Louisiana the State University, like <laughs> playing with Bobby <laughs> Boucher down there.
3: Like,
0: <laughs> oh man. It, and, uh you know the other tight end that was in that draft I think one in a round or maybe two later was a guy who unfortunately uh for uh 49ers fans is not playing today but George Kittle he was yeah. he could have been a Chicago bear and it would have been so perfect because he's a huge Chicago Bears fan right yeah yeah
2: he so, I think he was the fifth round pick that year yeah, yeah, yeah so a lot of teams are wishing they grabbed him but uh we'll try to recap but- um, How can
0: you look at tape and say, all right, this guy here from Ashland University, the six foot seven who's running over five foot 11 guys who weigh 175 pounds, he's better than George Kittle, who was playing right. against top competition. How can you watch tape and say something like right. that? I don't get yeah.
2: it. <laughs> in Iowa, you know they got good tight ends, man. If there's one thing they've got, it's, it's uh, the tight end in 01 is where you can get from Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Yep. 4,000 Clovers,
0: 4, Clovers reminds us that Emmy made Cutler the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Enough said.
2: <laughs> oh, I mean, Cutler gets a lot of hate. I always liked Cutler. My yeah. father-in-law can't stand him, but that's kind of what you get with Bears. They either love him or hate him. There is no gray area with Cutler, um, yeah. but I it mean, is what to, it is.
0: Not to relive those old days, but Cutler, you know, they signed Cutler, and then they said, okay, you're on your own. You know, you don't need an offensive line, you don't need a number one wide receiver. Yes, right. Come on. You know, they, the guy was not lovable by any stretch of the imagination. He he was, you know, conceited, he was he's sullen, he was not a great teammate to some of the guys right. and stuff. But guy had talent, man, that's mm-hmm. for sure. And he, and he played hard. He, he he went out there and he he really gave up his body a lot of times. I mean, nobody gets sacked nine times and a half. <laughs> and right. you say he's not, he's not trying. He, he went doesn't not care. <laughs> yeah.
2: Great. Yeah, it's always between him or uh, Jim McMahon. They're the top um, Bears quarterbacks of all time, it seems like. And I didn't get to watch Jim McMahon, but what I've mm-hmm. seen of him, he seems like um, he was a good quarterback, but he was hurt quite a bit. and But, but he had this personality mm-hmm. that – And that's really what sold it. If Cutler had had that personality, he'd be everyone's favorite. But uh, we'll we'll try to move on from that a little bit. And uh, last week's game, um, I had a family reunion last week. So I got home and uh, the game was over in the first quarter. I mean, it was just, it was just god awful and um, turnovers and. Man, I don't know how to recap it. I'm, I'll try my best, but, I mean, to me, the turnovers killed us, man. Uh, I, I mean, you had another free play that wasn't. I mean, I wish they would just stay out of his ear, stop telling him he's got a free play, because that's mm-hmm. two weeks in a row that Justin's thrown a pick on it. And then um, the two, two of the strip sacks, I saw this on, uh, I think it was on Get Up or maybe NFL Live. Um, mm-hmm. One of them – he got hit in 1.9 seconds. The other, he got hit in 2.01 seconds. The fastest release in the NFL is Ben Roethlisberger at 2.3 seconds. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) he literally has time to catch the ball and he's getting hit. So there's, and then I don't know. It's, it's, and it seems like guys aren't getting open. One of the interceptions was right off Mooney's hands, which is, crazy because he he's so sure-handed i mean that's why he, that's why justin feels trust him so much and uh man I no, don't the, know.
0: the the thing is is when, when mistakes happen like that usually it's because a team goes in and says we have to be perfect against this team mm. you know, we're injured we uh We've had turmoil throughout the week. You know, there's whispers that the coach might get fired. And so your head is not 100% in the game. So when Darnell Mooney drops a pass like that, it hits off his hands and so forth, I can attribute that to just not being there 100%. And so a lot of that has to do with coaching because you got to figure out a way to get your guys tuned into the game so that they are living every play like it's a matter of life and death. Yeah. And so when that doesn't happen, I always point to the coaches. You've got to figure out a way to fire these guys up. And even if you've got the fifth string right tackle in there, like they started the game, I, I, why they started Simmons at right tackle over Alex Bars is fucking beyond me.
2: With, with no practice reps at that position.
0: None. Not <laughs> like, a single one. Not a single one. Go out
2: there and see what he's got. Uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: And so that, you know, tells me that there's just a lack of confidence in in the top. And so you go out there and you're not playing your best. So it's just another of the growing evidence against Matt Nagy being the head coach for this football team. Now, having Mm -hmm. said that, he is not going to be the head coach of the football team today. Chris Tabor will be roaming the sidelines as the head coach. And so does that give you any more confidence? And I'll ask the people in the chat room, too. Does it give you any more confidence that Tabor is going to be the head coach today instead of Matt Nagy?
2: I mean, I'm going to give Tabor the benefit of the doubt. I want to see what the guys got. But to me, uh, you, have, you brought in Mike Pettin to be on your coaching staff who has a history he, he got fired I, I believe he was with the Browns head coach or something which everyone seems to go up there and fail yep. so I mean why wouldn't you let that guy handle the head coaching duties today uh, instead of Tabor who's I mean let's be honest if we were going to talk about if we're going to rank uh, the Chicago Bears phases you're going to go defense offense then special teams at the bottom nothing against um santos who's who's a a, who's a beast and o'donnell's been doing pretty well this year but i mean how many times have we seen special teams coverage blunders and 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 stuff like that and penalties on special teams and a lot of that goes back to in my opinion your coordinator so now he's the head guy he's the guy in the big chair like i am today (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's right. You, this is the Aaron Current Show. Make no mistake about it, brother. You're doing a great job. Um, Nagy was asked this week, you know, uh, prior to – he knew he wasn't going to coach Sunday, so he was effing, you know, lying again at, at the press conference. Right. But uh, on Friday's press conference, the last one head coaches do uh, with the media before the game, he was asked, you know, if you're not the head coach – Uh, coach Matt Nagy if you're not the head coach Sunday uh, uh, have you been working with Chris Taba to prepare him for those duties and this is what coach Matt Nagy said
4: "So we we've been discussing throughout the week just different scenarios and just different things that I so I can help him out as much as possible things some things that he might not think of on on game day um, whether it's with the coaches whether it's with the players um, you know mindset of anything game situation wise that we want to, you know, go into in this particular game. And, you know, coach tapes has been great with all that. We, we do a lot of that anyway, um, as, as him being a special teams coordinator and I do it with the coordinators, but now that he's in that, you know, role where he'd end up having to have to be the guy that makes the decisions, just giving him support so that he, he feels good and understands. And then, you know, a lot of it too, Dan is there's, there's, you know, when you're in the moment, there's some things you just can't predict. You, there's a feel to it as well. And and that, that's where that feel will come into play. And and we have a nice little plan in place if that's the case.
0: You know, I, I got to tell you, before you comment on what he said, I got to tell you that he never looked smarter to me for some reason. I don't <laughs> understand it. I mean, he looked like like a guy who was much better than normal looking men.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looked like he had his 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 uh his stuff in order. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, only, exactly. the only thing I was thinking that whole time, honestly, you know, is word soup. So it was kind of like he was talking, but I wasn't really paying attention. The only thing I was thinking about was Michael Scott from The Office. No God, please no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, Come on, man. Yeah, you I mean, you could have just been like, yeah, I've been talking to Tabes, trying to get him ready. Uh mm-hmm. and I think I think he'll be ready to take take on the challenge if need be. Mm-hmm. Like that's all you had to say. Right. This dude had a paragraph. Oh, like <laughs>
0: He just doesn't get it. I mean, and I don't understand why the people in the Bears media department don't coach him up and and tell him, you know, less is more in this case. Say, I'm really confident Chris Tabor. We've gone through almost every scenario. We'll continue to work on things. Next question. (laughs) That's it.
3: (laughs) Right.
0: Oh, my goodness. And then, you know, just and then Chris Tabor, he met with the media on Thursday, as all the coordinators do. And boy, oh boy, I mean, you, you want to talk about not feeling confident that this guy is going to be on the sidelines. I mean, he he refused to answer questions. He was evasive. I'll, I'll show you a little bit of it.
4: Two basic ones for you to start. Are you the head coach? I'm the special teams coordinator today. With a lot of work with a lot of work to do, Dan. Are you are you overseeing the team from the head coaching role right now? I'm just I'm, I'm facilitating practice just like what we did in the springtime and, and executing that and, and, you know, just making sure things run smoothly. If you have to stay with that heightened role through Sunday, what changes for you? Well, I haven't given that a lot of thought. I'll be honest with you. We're trying to – I mean, from last game period, we, we got a lot of issues that we got to clean up in our own area. I understand
0: this guy sounds like a guy who is totally effing overwhelmed by what's ahead of him you know i don't know if i'm gonna be that coach i don't know
2: yeah i haven't given that a lot of thought come on man how
0: how can you how can you inspire any confidence in your in, in the fans but much more importantly with the team if you're at the podium and you're shuffling around, you don't know what the hell to answer and stuff. That's got to yeah. be really, really bad. And I've never been impressed with his special teams coaching. Like you said earlier, he's made mistakes. There have been times out there where special teams players don't know the rules. You know, that yeah. happened a couple yeah. of seasons ago. <laughs> it's, it's, he was yeah. an endorser of Cody Parkey. I mean, come on. What? Why? Not? Like you said, why not Mike Patton? Why not yeah. somebody else? You know, yeah, not hire, I mean, why not hire you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I've said it for years. Uh kicking and punting it 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 really blows my mind. And the whole league is like this. Here at Kentucky, we had a guy named Austin McGinnis who was pretty much automatic, but he couldn't kick 50 plus yarders. But he was pretty much automatic anything in in inside 50, and he can't get a shot. Yeah, Cody Park he goes. From team to team to team to team. I'm sure he's still on a team right damn now. Mm -hmm. We got a punter here, uh, Max Duffy, who graduated last year, was a Ray Guy Award winner. He got cut by the Denver Broncos in the offseason. And he's doing a podcast on Kentucky football now. Like, wow, you're a Ray Guy Award winner. And and you can't get a shot because they give the same guys chance after chance after chance. And – I don't get it, man. Yeah. But
0: Mule says that, you know, Patton was the obvious choice. Must have been a political move. And I do suspect, Mule, that there is some kind of political battles going on at Hallis Hall right now. We've listened to Bill Lazier's press conferences for the last few weeks. And it does seem like in every press conference, he's kind of throwing the coach, under the bus you know, and he's revealing things that Nagy would normally not reveal. He has, you know, deflected some of the criticism coming his way. Well, I'm not the head coach saying things like that. You know, the whole Patton thing, whose decision was it to hire Patton? Was it a pace? You know, uh mm-hmm. why, why hire somebody to overlook Sean Desai if he's not going to have, you know, uh, uh, be a step away from the head coaching position? It just presented all sorts of, Questions and you know if you listen to Edo Bradovich and Dan Hampton, which I sometimes do to prepare for the Dan and Aldo show because we do media bites. Those guys love to make fun of the fact that the coach, the coaching staff of the Chicago Bears is the largest in the in the league. They have twenty five guys on the coaching staff. It's like, wow, <laughs> twenty five guys. What is this, man?
2: The only one in college football that's like that is Alabama, but they succeed. I mean, that's that's, right. that's where guys go because like they got fired from Tennessee or something, they'll go down there and they'll join the coaching staff as a assistant viewer of toilets or something. And and then they'll get another head coaching job because they, well, they did good at Alabama. Let's give them a shot. you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, Chris asked, do you think there's going to be a civil war going on at House Hall?
2: <laughs> I think I, there's going to be a, a fire sale at House Hall, uh, maybe in the bye week. Uh, we'll have to see how these exactly. next two games go. but
0: uh... Yep, it's it's exactly. That bye week, there's going to be so much going on. If you are a beat reporter for the Chicago Bears, I would get a hotel room the <laughs> from Hallis Hall because you're going to be there a lot, and you should be there a lot to uncover what the hell is going to be going on there because there's going to be some infighting. I will not be at all surprised if for the first time in Chicago Bears history, they fire the head coach, which bring in somebody else and a lot of people are going to be elbowing their way. No, I should be me. No, I should be me. No, I should be me. Maybe they'll fire Pace and A. You think there's any chance of that, AC?
2: I feel like, yeah. Honestly, I feel like Pace, they like him a lot, like a son almost. But this is now his second, his second head coach. He made the wrong hire. How many GMs get three shots at quarterback? or at the top in a top 10. I mean, he had he came in with Cutler granted he he inherited him. But then he was in the top 3. He 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 moved up a spot and grabbed the least of those three quarterbacks uh, and everyone saw it apparently except for him. And then now he's he's had a shot at Justin Fields and he sees that the scheme is not is it doesn't fit him. It it, this, I don't think the scheme works.
3: Yeah,
2: I've said it on here. Uh, the only place we saw it work was Kansas City, and now they look like they're falling apart, right? All of a sudden, they don't have an offensive line. And look what Patrick Mahomes is doing, the next goat. Look how he's doing. Yeah, so this scheme just does not work. And and speaking of scheme, I love the way the 49ers scheme is now. He's on possibly the hot seat as well because they've lost four in a row and they're looking honestly pretty bad. I saw a stat, I think it was last week, other than the Super Bowl season, Shanahan has a worse coaching record than Mike Singletary did when he was in 49ers.
3: Whoa. Yeah, I
2: think think Mike's was like 20 and 26. Mm -hmm. And Shanahan's, other than the Super Bowl season, when they went 13 and three, is like 18 and something. Like (laughs) – it's crazy.
0: I'll ask people in the in the chat room, would you rather have Matt Nagy coaching the Bears or Kyle Shanahan and and then I'll also throw to uh Alex Cisnerus. Cis- I'll just say Alex because uh <laughs> because that's easier than pronouncing his <laughs> last name. But he's uh, from the 49ers Cutback podcast and he was the guest of John Buffone and Alyssa Barbieri on Buffone 55 and John asked him is Kyle Shanahan on the hot
5: seat and Alex gave this response uh if you listen to the 49ers twitter and a lot of the fan base, or a good chunk of the fan base we'll just say 50 percent of the fan base then it's 100 heated up and it should be heating up and in fact it should be fired um we've been watching a lot of all 22 film it doesn't seem like kyle shanahan's doing a whole heck of a lot wrong if you want to hold kyle shanahan accountable for guys not executing or position coaches maybe not getting their guys coached up properly then okay i get it uh, but there is consistently people open all 22 film when we break down and watch it over on our channel, it's uh, it's open receivers, it's guys winning, it's guys open in space and whether it's Trey Lance at quarterback missing guys, Jimmy Garoppolo last Sunday missing four or five huge play opportunities in a monsoon game, you know, where every play matters and every big play, you know, could could change the tide of the game forever. He missed four or five wide open guys that would have resulted in either touchdowns or at least points for San Francisco. Um, when you're doing stuff like that consistently guys missing blocks consistently at the wrong time one or two guys you know losing track of a guy in space it makes it impossible for you to get rhythm going offensively and that's the big thing for san francisco with their offense rhythm getting them into the rhythm uh seattle game is a perfect example of that opening drive with jimmy garoppolo they go down the field methodically drive in rhythm and put points on the board jimmy gets the calf contusion like the third play of the game and then ever since then downhill the rest of that game. Uh, Same thing against the Colts. Opening drive, methodical, beautiful. Everything's rolling well. And then after that, uh, just mistakes. The execution stuff starts popping up. Guys missing blocks. Um, You know, Jermichael Hasty falling down on the sideline when Jimmy Garoppolo actually throws a great ball um, outside the numbers, which is, you know, a a weakness of his. So when he throws a good one, you take him. uh, And unfortunately, we had a guy fall, and then that kills the drive and kills momentum.
0: That gives you some confidence, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always loved Kyle Shanahan's system. His dad's system was good. Speaking, mm-hmm. going back to Cutler, I hate to continue to go back, but that was, that was his best years was under his dad's system, Shanahan out there in Denver. Yeah. Uh, this, that system works. It's yeah. proven to work over the years, over the decades. Um, like he said, you know, just, just people not, uh, not doing their job you know they're they're missing blocks they're falling down on routes they're brandon iuka I, I i was listening to i think it was a crossover past uh podcast with lauren cox uh this this prior last weekend with the 49ers locked, down,
0: lock, locked on uh, locked on
2: bears yes yeah. yes uh well he basically asked you know why is Brandon Iyuk Um, in the doghouse and the the guy i want to say it was from that podcast the guy who was on there was like it's not that he's in the doghouse he's just not getting open his routes are not consistent with what they were last year so basically they've got debo samuel and then um like brandon iuke is inconsistent you got george kittle that's hurt i mean i don't think shanahan's on the hot seat but He's got a lot of things going against him. But they did sign him and Lynch to a big-ass contract. I think they signed like a six-year extension in 2019 or something. So right, I doubt they would fire him and then pay him for the next four years or whatever it would be.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think he's also got that kind of buffer uh, because of the quarterback that they drafted, just like a Mm -hmm. lot of people suspect that Nagy has that buffer, you know, that uh, they want to give – Shanahan an opportunity to coach uh, Trey Lance and um, so we'll see I mean you know he he still has a sterling reputation and as Alex said if you look at the film there's just a lot of uh, miscues by players and so if anything that might be more of an indictment of Lynch in the squad that he's put together Mm -hmm. he certainly has had you know some misfires with his draft picks I mean That whole uh, Mitch Trubisky deal, right? Did did they draft anyone that is still on the team from that Trubisky deal? It ended up being a wash in my mind, right? I don't think. I know they they grabbed
2: Solomon Thomas was the top one, and he's he's no longer with the team. And then they uh, drafted
0: that linebacker, that inside linebacker from Alabama, who I think he's out of the league now for disciplinary reasons. uh, I forgot his name. Right. Uh, So yeah, it hasn't turned out well. Now, Shanahan was asked, you know, th- this team is beat up. Um, uh, w- what the, what kind of a week have they had? Uh, and so I just wanted to get kind of the pulse a little bit, some, some more intel on um, the 49ers. So I listened to the Shanahan press conference, and this is where he said when talking about the, the temperature of the team, so to speak. Does
4: everybody have a little pep on their staff?
0: They- yeah, I think the guys have had a good
1: week. I think they practice practiced hard. Uh, and today we do a half-speed deal, which I thought we needed. I think guys were pretty tired after yesterday. Just so many I think yesterday was our biggest day with um, missing the most guys from practice. So a lot of guys had to double up to get those reps in. and So today was a big day, and just getting our bodies back and focusing on on the mental part of the game. I think it'll be nice to get on the plane, sleep a little bit, get a little extra sleep, and get out there and hunker down until we come back together.
5: Now because Trey isn't listed, does that mean that he will be your backup? Person? Yes. And how did he look this week?
0: So uh, he, they go on to ask him if uh, there's going to be a package of plays for Trey Lance, uh, and he goes, "Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah." <laughs> of yeah. Now, see, that's the a difference. Package of
0: plays for Andy Dalton.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that's the difference, though. When we had Dalton as a starter in there, and if they asked Nagy, you know, do we have a package of plays for Justin Fields? <laughs> oh, that's uh, you know, that's. The G14 classified, we can't give that information out. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know, can't let nobody know. Shanahan's like, fucking yeah. We drafted him in third overall. What do you think?
0: <laughs> exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this 49ers team plays. And not only, it, you know, are are they in disarray after losing four games in a row, um and having all these injuries you know where guys have to double up and practice so they might be tired you know he says that again might might get some rest on that plane ride, but it's a lot of times a lot of people you know that west coast to midwest uh plane ride it it can be more exhausting than relaxing Mm -hmm. i know those guys fly in first class but it's still you know it's still not a fun thing and so one last sound bite from uh shanahan because another important part of what they're missing is the vocal leadership uh, on the team. And so mm-hmm. when you miss uh, uh, missing a guy like George Kittle, it, you know, the, a little bit of the fire from the team right. is, is missing. So he was asked about that.
2: Uh, you know, is there a lack of that? Um, who's sort of picking up that, I don't know, energy slack when he's he's not out there?
1: I mean... It's not just George, you know, I think three out of our four captains on offense are out. So, you you know, usually your captains do that. Some of your better players and, you know, with Raheem, with Trent Williams, um, with George, you know, yeah, hell yeah, we've been missing a lot of that. Um, Not just the vocal leadership of it, but most importantly, the guys on the field. And it both goes hand in hand. Usually your best players um, do do that stuff. Um, It's hard for them to do it a little bit from the sidelines though.
0: Yep, it's so true. It is so true. When you're missing guys like that, who, who are the vocal leaders on the Bears, AC?
2: I know Akeem Hicks mm-hmm. is. Um Trebathan used to be. Right. I, I'm not sure if he is anymore. He's kind of maybe faded to the background where he's kind of sort of lost his job, the way Ogletree's been playing and the way mm-hmm. he's been playing. Um I mean, Roquan's a leader on the field, but as far as a vocal leader, he just he's just like a uh, – I think Bobby was talking last week. He's like the silent assassin. Mm-hmm. I feel like Justin Fields, even though it doesn't, it doesn't show a ton on the field, like when you hear him in press conferences talking about – like this week he was talking about how he was going to Zoom call with his wide receivers, talk about routes and stuff like that. That's what a leader's going to do. A leader's going to take that extra time. To get his guys together to make sure they're on the same page, mm-hmm. it seems like Jason Peters was kind of thrust into a role like that.
3: Mm-hmm. For
2: as far as the offensive line group goes, I mean, we got more information from him than we did, than we did any coach on this staff the entire year. I mean, he broke the news about Larry Borum, who did get brought off IR today, so we'll see if he gets time at the uh, right tackle. But Wilkinson did get did come off the COVID list as well, so. Getting a little bit healthier back there. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I'd rather see Borum wait his turn at left tackle than to put him – stick him in at right tackle. Uh, Yeah. That's that's kind of my idea on it, Borum at left and um, Jenkins at the right whenever he comes back. Mm Mm-hmm. But I thought that was awesome. I think the phone even talked about it. He's like, What are you going to do? Cut me? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm going to tell you what I know. If you want to cut me, yeah,
2: right. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll go fishing. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: He has been, uh, Peters, to his credit. I mean, he's not playing at a Pro Bowl level. He never will. He's 39. He's going to be 40 years old soon. Uh, he's, he's, he still has a hard time getting out there, making that sec- those second level blocks. He, he has mm-hmm. problems against speed, power edge rushers, speed rushers. More well, than power rushes, uh, but he has still played so well and he pancakes guys, which is something yeah. that you know you love to see from your offensive linemen. But like Chris Watts says, I don't think there's a there's a like an exceptional vocal leader. You've got some quiet leaders. Peters is more of a quiet leader, Fields is more of a quiet leader, you know, a rob is more of a quiet leader. You don't have, you know, a George Kittle type on right. this offense. Uh, you don't have like an Olin Kruz. Olin Krutz be, would be a guy, you know, get the fuck in the huddle and, and mm-hmm. you know, just firing guys up and stuff. This team lacks that. And, again, I point the finger at Ryan Pace. When you're building right. a team, you've got to make sure you got a diversity of players, and and at the very top of that diverse list is you need leaders, guys who are vocal and and uh, and also lead by their actions. And right, right now we don't really have much of that on this team.
2: Yeah, I wonder if that's – I mean, obviously, Pace didn't draft the guys to do that, but I wonder if the coaching staff, perhaps, they don't feel like they can be vocal. I don't Mm -hmm. know if if that's a thing or not. Um, Like, I don't know. I think uh, Martellus Bennett used to be a big talker, and then he kind of did what he did to Kyle Fuller, and they were like, shut the fuck up, go sit over there, you just – body slammed our first round corner I, and that's a different organization, I guess. Uh, but maybe it's, maybe it's like that. Maybe they're just like, go out there do your job and don't talk other than Akeem. I don't know anybody who, who's a, who's a big rah-rah guy to
0: Eddie Jackson, but then he, he fucks <laughs> up a tackle.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: Cause Eddie yeah. Jackson is always telling people what to do, you know, a- anybody can tackle.
2: <laughs> yeah i like Jack, but he's he's going through some things this year man i got his 39 jersey up in the uh up in the closet there and i just
0: that's, that's where it belongs
2: no, i haven't kidding. been able to pull it out i swear i haven't been able to pull it out at all this season uh yeah. i wore a keem hicks today it's underneath this hoodie mm-hmm. shout out you know ballroom about, by the I, way
0: that oh nice i love that looks good on you um I got to tell you that I do believe that Eddie Jackson could have a really big day today. You know, he at least admitted that he needs to wrap up better on tackling. So he took mm-hmm. some accountability this week. He knows that this team is in a do or die because you've got to win these next two games before the bye. If oh, not, yeah. this, 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 this season's over. Then you're, you're playing for a high second round draft pick. That's, that's what you're playing for.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and I think that he has so much pride in, he wants to. He wants to prove to people that he's a man. He's going to go out there. He's going to tackle. He's going to get his hands on some balls and create some turnovers or help the, the, the team in getting turnovers. I gotta. You know, if, if he's going to have a good game at all this season, I really do believe this is the game. The matchup is perfect for him. He's not going against a, an offense that's working on all cylinders. They've had some their share of mistakes. I don't know. I, I, if we did a segment on this show, is you know who's your pick to click kind of thing. I, I would pick maybe Eddie Jackson as a as a kind of a surprise guy. At least I'm hoping for that.
2: I think uh, if I was to pick a guy who I think is going to have a good game, I think Jalen Johnson is. I think he's going to follow Debo Samuel around, which is the correct thing to do. We saw mm-hmm. him do it with Devontae Adams. It didn't work out great because Devontae Adams. Possibly the best wide receiver in the league. I mean, he's definitely top three. So Jalen Johnson, <laughs> trial by fire. There was mm-hmm. there was no other way about that. But yeah. my uh, uh, another huge concern about today, and and we talked about guys coming back from COVID, Elijah Wilkinson and Robert Quinn. In case you guys haven't heard in the chat, they did come off the COVID list. Robert Quinn was spotted in practice yesterday. I saw a short little clip of video of him at practice. But on the other side, our guy Khalil Mack, possibly the best player on this entire team, is uh, he's hurt his foot, and they've—I don't—I don't think it came out. They had mentioned IR, which would have set him down for four weeks, including the bye. Um, but I don't believe they actually came out and did put him on IR. I think he's just out this week uh, to try and heal that up. And and I thought of you right away. You you were talking in Cleveland. You saw this guy limping around on the sideline. So, mm-hmm. so he's been nursing this foot injury for since week three, obviously, at least. Yeah. Uh, I
0: threw it out there on the, the Bear debate show with John Buffon and Tyler Ellis. I threw it out there. I moderate that show. I threw it out there as a question should the Bears consider resting Khalil Mack against the Tampa Bay Bucks and give him kind of a load management week? Because it's, start, it's starting to look like he's slowing down after that great hot start and he hasn't been practicing it out. And Buffon just yelled at me, what are you, his veins were popping out of it. What are you talking about? You pay him to play and stuff. And I'm like, dude, take it easy. I'm yeah. just saying that maybe, you know, you, you got to look at the entire season. And, and what happens? They, they, you know, have to sit him down. And as one of the coaches said this week, you know, we got to protect Khalil from Khalil because he just wants to do so much. He wants to be out there and so forth. And so, frankly, I would have liked him to sit the road game in Tampa Bay, which I have very little hope that we would win, as Mm -hmm. opposed to this home game against San Francisco, you know, we might miss them so much that it could cost us. If we don't have a pass rush against the 49ers, then I'm always going to question, you know, did they wait too long to give Max some rest? And that playing in Tampa Bay just aggravate all the bumps and bruises and who knows what else is going on with this guy.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, about the only positive I can think of, from this, is we can see Travis Gibson uh, get more reps, see how he how he does. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I think they wanted to make sure they had at least one of either Robert Quinn or Mac, and that's probably that why sense. they didn't sit him last week because you would have had Travis Gibson and I have no idea. Who would be on the other side rushing the passer, and if I don't know, <laughs> there's an issue
0: because <laughs> I'm, I'm a football nerd. <laughs> no, I hear you. It, it, that that is definitely a factor. I mean, they're they're depleted right now, and you know, you, you look at a, a lot of the NFL teams right now. There's injury situations going on with every NFL team. So when we look at our our team and, and kind of cry a, a little bit about our bad luck, it, it, it's it's. Just about every other NFL team is going through the same thing. Including oh, yeah. The that we faced this week. So, you know, that's why depth is so important. That's why building a team and bringing players in that can, you know, next player up kind of stuff is important. And now that it's a 17 game regular season, hell, man, you're going to see more and more injuries to, during the course of NFL seasons now. So, um, I, I hope that, you know, and, and it's also important to have great coaching one of the things that i wanted to get your opinion on is you know we we really blast matt nagy a lot deservedly so but are his coordinators and position coaches guys who are unfairly being grouped into the criticism you know let's start with laser and decide do you what's your opinion about those guys as coordinators do you think that, you know, they deserve to continue to be coordinators in 2022 if, you know, they, they hired a coach from – let's say they hired Mike Patton to be the head coach in 2022. Would you like to see the coordinators remain the same?
2: Um, I like to Desai. I like what he's doing. And I think learning under um, Vic Fangio and Pagano, even though he, he didn't do great here – just having all that expertise, you're going to learn a thing or two under him. So sure. I do like Desai in his position. I like Bill Laser. Um I like that he deflects, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, he kind of like, I didn't make that call. I didn't make that call. That's not on me, but I don't know if, I don't know what system he would run. His system wasn't great up in Cincinnati to be completely honest. And it was all him because they had, I believe that's when Marvin Lewis was up there. He's a defensive minded head coach. So mm-hmm. he kind of lets his offensive coordinator do his thing. And the offense was not great up there either. I think yeah. Bill Laser, um, I think we'd have to move on from him. But I do like what Desai's been doing. And <clears throat> do you want me to go into people under them as well? or Yeah, just- let me,
0: let's answer this question real quickly first from Beth. She says uh, – who hires the scouts for the Bears? And I think that's the director of player personnel. In this case, it's Josh Lucas. That's his job. And so under him are guys like Champ Kelly, Charles Love, uh, Ashton Washington. But I think that department is in charge of the college scouts and, and even the pro scouts that they have. Uh, but yeah, what are, what, are you, what are your thoughts on any of the position coaches, particularly ones that you like and you'd love to see them kind of stick around?
2: OK. Um. First, summer cover Beth's question. Please. I don't have I don't have an issue with our staffing. Uh, our scouts is the is is a large part of the reason why we're able to find guys like Eddie Jackson, in the fifth round, Khalil Herbert, the lone the lone bright spot. I mean, this guy ran a hundred yards on the on the on the NFL's top rushing defense last week. Mm-hmm. That's you can't just glaze over that. To find guys like uh, Jordan Howard back when he was here in the fifth round and. Adrian Amos in the fifth, you know, grabbing those late round talents, that's a tribute to your scouts uh, to be able to find those guys. Tariq Cohen's, the list goes on and on as we know. Um, But the issue is the top picks. I mean, to me, you got Leonard Floyd didn't work out. Trubisky didn't work out. And I don't know if that's player or coaching or scheme. I'm not sure what the issue is, but it's not all clicking together. But I don't have an issue with our scouts. And as far as coaches that are under the coordinators, I love Juan Castillo. I think he does not get enough credit for the job he has done with this duct tape and super glued together offensive line. You called a guy off of a fishing boat to play left tackle for you, and he's done I mean, he's done as good as you would think a 39 year old would do in this league. Mm-hmm. You've got undrafted free agent at at center and undrafted free agent seventh round picks, you know, thrust into starting roles against high uh, caliber teams. I think that's a tribute to your offensive line coach that they are, that that they're a good group of, that they're a good coach. I mean, to, to have those guys in position to succeed even somewhat. Mm-hmm.
0: Mule, doesn't, Mule is not a big fan of flying Castillo because he's been fired from three teams. But I will say this, you know, a lot of times good head coaches or, excuse me, good position coaches, they're fired because a new head coach wants to bring in their guy. They mm. want to bring in somebody that they trust. It's very, very difficult for a head coach to come into a situation, a new situation, and be handed assistant coaches because you, you got to wonder, are they loyal to me? You know, right. and so you want to hire coaches that – you you can trust that you know their work that their scheme fits your philosophy and so the fact that any position coach may have been fired uh th- that's not an indictment on their performance that's more uh of just kind of you know a head coach wanting to bring in their kind of guy
2: yeah um, yeah you see that with assistant coaches and you see it with players i mean we saw it with with right here with Nagy, they were you know the whole time. Trubisky was here, they were like, "Well, this is not his guy. He didn't draft this guy. He was handed this guy, but he drafted his guy this time, and he still can't get it to work because his scheme does not work."
0: Right. Andrew says, "Well, he hasn't made James Daniels or Cody Whitehair that much better." Well, how do you uh, respond to that criticism?
2: We've seen we've seen video proof that uh, James Daniels, first of all, even being healthy. Second of all, going out there like what he did against the Raiders, we have we have a short term memory here, and I do it myself. This is the same team that beat that beat the Bengals and the Raiders, who are the top two AFC seeds in the in the playoff race right now.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: we have talent on this team, but for whatever reason, they just they just go to sleep. I don't know what the deal is, uh, mm-hmm. but we have seen. Pancake blocks from those guys, getting to the second level on some plays, and obviously, if you've got a fifth round pick at, at running back, a rookie running for a hundred yards per game, that's a tribute not only to that running back, but your offensive line has to be opening holes. Mm-hmm. You're you, you, A guy can't go out there and do it all on his own. We look at other than Barry Sanders, who's done it without a good offensive line, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Emmitt well, Smith and, looked great because his offensive line was historically great. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and you got to look at both of those players mentioned there. There are second-round draft picks, and I think they're playing to kind of a second-round level, you know, and and uh, those guys are, I would say, a little better than average guards in the NFL, Daniels and, and Whitehair. Now, you know, every time they make a mistake, it's, it's really – Blown up because mm-hmm. there are just so many mistakes on the offensive line, They're, but but most of the mistakes come from the tackle positions. Um, uh, P- Peters, we, we kind of pointed out his limitations because of his age, and then the right tackle position has become a revolving door. I think I counted the other day that we've had four, four starting offensive right tackles. Uh,
2: I think season. of it in my head we had a Fetty, we had mm-hmm. Wilkinson, we had uh Simmons, Simmons. last week. Right. And, and then bars has had time there too. So right. at, at least four.
0: Yeah, and so if, if uh, Borum plays today, uh, it'll be five. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, And we all know, I mean, we've learned this since we were kids following football, that the most important thing for an offensive line is cohesion. You want guys, the same five guys at the same five positions year after year after year. The more they're together, it's, it's like all your five fingers working together, and that just has not happened. And one of the mistakes that the Bears have made over the years is they keep – Switching the pinky over to the index finger, the thumb over into the middle, <laughs> and so forth. It's like what the fuck you got going on yeah, here? It's yeah. a mess. That
2: was, that was always a big thing with Lovey. Is uh, I remember they would play that. I think I, I think he used to be on ESPN One Thousand. I would listen to uh, Waddle and Sylvie, and they would play that every day. I'm shuffling, and they because they were shuffling offensive <laughs> linemen all around. And we saw uh, Kyle Long kind of get screwed by that too, you know, uh, we'll stick you here this game and then right tackle the next game. And I don't think they ever put him at left tackle. They didn't even try that. They just stuck him all around that old line and you never even get a a good good handle on, on one position.
0: Exactly. What do you think about the former president of the United States, Andrew Jackson, asking do you worry that this current offensive regime may make Justin Fields this generation's David Carr?
2: Mm. <laughs> I, God, I hope not. I mean, I, I feel like I, I'm i a. I'm 33, I'll be completely honest. I The only thing I knew about David Carr is he was drafted at the top of the draft and was killed by an expansion team mm-hmm. um, because they, the NFL, for whatever reason, doesn't give these expansion teams. I saw it with a Kentucky guy, Tim Couch, went to yeah. the Cleveland Browns. They said, you're our guy. You mm-hmm. don't have an O-line. You don't have a running back. We don't really got receivers. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Busted his freaking knee like the second year. Never gave him anything and uh, and ruined that guy's career. So, if anything, I believe it's the the philosophy of expansion teams that have ruined both of those guys because David Carr got killed behind no offensive line, no weapons outside. 76
0: times he was sacked. In a 16 game season, an NFL record. That's how many times Carlos was sacked. And, you know, there were, some, he, he was a number one overall pick. There were some questions of whether he, he was going to be a bust or, or not anyway, but that certainly didn't help. And mm-hmm. he has talked about that openly since then. And he has said that it had an effect on him. And, that, you know, I'll tell you one thing, and, which is, you know, it's not much of an example because if I was a quarterback and I got hit, you know, Three, four times in a game, yeah.
2: shit. <laughs> I think,
0: being the bench
2: coach, right? I think I'm hurting. I think I got <laughs> yes. an ankle thing or something. Where's that
0: clipboard? I'll hold that. <laughs> no, but I've seen some of the greats. You know, I, I re- I'll never forget this one replay on a Monday night game where Peyton Manning was be- getting harassed all game long. He was getting sacked and so forth. And on one drop back. He started flinching even before he threw the ball because he Mm -hmm. kind of sensed that pass rush was coming. Mm -hmm. And so when even the greats are reacting that way to being sacked and to being pressured and to being hurried, you know that it's going to have an impact on the young guys, on the David cars. And so when you ask about Justin Fields, the one great thing about him, it seems that he's stoic and he is like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna survive this. I'm gonna but he's gotta prove it on the field, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that I, I worry about is because you could say, you know, as a player, you can say whatever you want, but you gotta go out there and prove that you can overcome this stuff.
2: Yeah, he's a tough kid, man. He he takes all these hits. We saw it last year in uh, in college. I mean, against Clemson, he he gets drilled and comes back out and throws, I think, for three touchdowns and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean He's tough, and that was part of the reason why I was wanted him. I was so happy that we drafted him because for over the years, I wanted Watson. We grabbed Trubisky. I want, you know, sometimes there was quarterbacks that I kind of liked, and we just, for whatever reason, we would never grab them. Yep. You know, all That's the way good. back to – yeah, that
0: press guy is a, a fourth round pick. I'm like, are you crazy? You're not gonna, you know, take a chance on a third round pick with yeah. this guy. What's going on? We play
2: we played Mississippi State every single year. Kentucky does. Mm-hmm. So I watched him in person and saw the things he could do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I and the more he fell, I was like, God, man, that'd be a good take a shot on him. But they just they never. I don't know. They never grabbed the guy like, even back to Cedric Benson. They grabbed Cedric Benson, and now Aaron Rodgers freaking owns us. He was in that same draft. And they just, they just, they were, they grabbed a running back that they didn't need. We had Thomas Jones. God, man.
0: Remember this guy? Russell Wilson. We passed on his last
2: two. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus.
0: Yeah. It's, You know, that's been one of Ryan Pace's broken promises because when he first got hired, he was asked about that. He said, I feel like we should draft the quarterback every year, just continue to fill the pipeline and so forth, draft some of these prospects. And I know that you can't do that every year, particularly if if you've put yourself into a position where you only have four or five draft picks. But how many has he drafted since he's been the general manager of of, of the Bears? You know, he drafted Mitchell Trubisky. And then to correct that mistake, he had to draft Justin Fields. And so outside of that, he's never he's never drafted anyone else. And he's had a parade of veteran quarterbacks come in as the backups. And that and that to me has just maybe even complicated matters more. Everybody says, well, it's great to have a Chase Daniel in there. It's great to have a Nick Foles in the quarterback room because they're veteran experience. You know what? That's what you got the 25 coaches for. (laughs) You don't need guys to coach. You need more and more talent on the team. And I can't blame them so much for going after Andy Dalton. What I blame them is to immediately annoy him as the number one quarterback, and you're taking all of these developmental snaps away from Je- Justin Fields so mm-hmm. that when he gets in there, he could go back and say, yeah, in that second preseason game where I started and played three quarters, I remember this blitz scheme. I remember that, blah, blah. And in practice, I remember this. And, and it, it, one of the things A-Rob said this week, I don't have that rapport with Justin because we didn't see so many snaps together in practice.
2: Right. Yeah, the, I was I'm just not- about to say that. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Alan Robinson was like, "I barely practice with this dude." You know, <laughs> like <laughs> he doesn't. And, How do you build I a
0: mean, team this way? I don't get it. I don't f and get it, man. It's just no master plan, no vision. Mm-hmm. Execute the vision. It's all kind of you know, uh, uh, all pieced together like like uh, you know. I don't know. I, 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 it's so frustrating, man. And
2: it's- I think it, uh, it even goes above pace with that. I mean, we've seen this ownership group have a history of fucking this up. They brought Bruce Arians in for an interview, watched him walk out the door and brought in Mark Tressman. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew who Mark Tressman was. Mm-hmm. And I wish I still didn't know who he was. <laughs> I mean, the guy was, he may have had a good offense, I have no idea. He was not a leader of men. Mm-hmm. Then they hired Ernie Accorzy, who brought in his boy, John Fox. And John Fox, I had high hopes when we hired John Fox because I saw what he had done in Carolina and in Denver. And he did somewhat turn around the franchise, but he didn't get us to that next level. And I feel like if we would have just hired Bruce Arians in the first freaking place, we'd have been all right. But, nope, they just screw that up. And Ted Phillips, who has no say in football operation, seems like he has an awful lot of say in football operation. I believe it was. Uh, sorry to continue rambling here. No, I, I love know, it. But, uh, I, love I believe it, it was only Crutes on on his podcast was talking about um, getting a football guy in there, not necessarily firing Ted Phillips, Correct. because Ted Phillips, look with the Arlington Heights deal, he's going to be there. There's, they're not going to just, cause he's a, cause he's a financial guy. So, but bringing a football guy to either be right there with him, like a lateral move for Ted Phillips or something right. and have a football guy in there who knows what he's talking about on the football field and putting these pieces together and, and, And McCaskey can still be the owner, and he can still still fill his fat pockets. I mean, yes, they want to be friends, not owners. Absolutely right, Beth.
0: But the Uh, thing is, is that, you know, ideally the general manager should be that football guy. He should be the guy who is making all of those football decisions. So I don't have so much a problem with, you know, the current – organizational setup the way that is that you got Ted Phillips here, he hires the general manager, and then the general manager oversees all the football operations. But you are making a good point. Ted Phillips has never hired a competent GM. And so I understand what you're saying, give him a lateral position, continue. You know, Ted, you're you're in your mid-sixties. Slow down a little bit. Don't worry about anything regarding the general manager and the operations of the teams and so forth. Just focus on the Arlington Park deal, and our relationship with Soldier Field. That's why you come to work every day. You keep working on that. I'm going to hire somebody else to do the other business stuff, which is you know TV contracts, blah blah blah, all that stuff, uh, uh, and and also make a better decision than you have in terms of hiring a general manager. So from that standpoint, I, I, you know, you're, you're sort of convincing me that that maybe the the lateral move is, is the right way and, and to bring in somebody like who? You know, like a Gary Fensick. Somebody in the chat room says, you think we should bring in some old uh, Chicago Bears players to to help turn things around? Gary Fensick has – Duck Plank was on the old 100 Proof Show and, and talked about how Gary Fensick would be a great – uh, president of team operations
2: it really it really depends you i'd have to know that person because those guys were great but mm-hmm. football has evolved so much in great the play. last 40 years mm-hmm. so you have to have a guy who has been able to evolve with it if you bring in gary fencing and he wants to get these hard-hitting safeties like he played back in the day then all you've got is 15 yard penalties and you're letting guys go all the way to because, because let's be honest back in the day. That's why, that's why I always hear the argument of Joe Montana versus Brady of who's the goat. In my opinion, it's Brady. A lot of people say it's Montana because those guys were out there head hunting. They, the, the bears, I think are 85 season. We didn't have a single quarterback, play the entire game or something like that. Like we played backup quarterbacks in the second half because we just go out there and, and, and kill guys. And mm-hmm. in today's NFL, that ain't going to happen. Yep. <laughs> They're going to protect right. their pretty boys. Uh, Excuse but- me.
0: Um, yeah, but you're right. Uh, you, what you need is you need somebody who is, is around the league a lot right now so that they mm-hmm. know you know, that guys like Nathaniel Hackett and Brian uh the ball from the the ball the Bills, Patrick Graham from the Giants, and, and all these other guys that are not familiar names to many people, but that those guys are the next pipeline of future head coaches. You mm-hmm. gotta know, you know, who are the future uh, uh GM types, you know, the assistant GMs that are out there, the heads of player personnel, the heads of scouting departments, those are all future potential candidates for GMs. And so you need to hire somebody who has been talking to these people, who has been talking to people who have been talking to those people and developing a portfolio of, all right, here are the guys that I've been talking to who are the guys that I like and so forth. And they're making informed decisions as opposed to what the bears ownership did which is they hired Ernie Arcosi, mm-hmm. an eighty-year-old dinosaur, mm-hmm. who who advises every team because he's on some part of NFL committee that helps uh, uh, teams identify people. But it's not like he has a sterling record for for you know advising anybody on Super Bowl head coaches or anything. So they're hiring somebody who's been around forever, no new thinking, and so forth. So yeah, you, you got to go out there and find somebody who is. On top of stuff now, is has got relationships and and knows what the mm-hmm. hell they're talking about. I don't know who that is, but uh, it's certainly not anyone that we have seen at off for the last hundred years or
3: whatever. Yeah. It is.
2: yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be completely opposed to bringing in Lewis Riddick. Um, but I think he's, that's more he's of a, GM that knows move. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, but he's got a lot of relationships, he knows a lot of people. Uh, and and he he seems like he knows what the hell he's talking about now mm-hmm. he could be he could just have a silver tongue and be fooling all of us but yeah. i i would love to see him uh be brought in and put in a, a gm position and uh or even i I'm, i don't know if he could be that above the gm position but uh i wouldn't be against him coming in and being our new gm and then bringing in his guy of head coach uh some of the guys and I believe we talked about it last week. We all have a short list. And uh, and I brought this up in our group chat um, because we're all looking at Dabol. I think it's Dabol or DeBol from the Bills, I was offensive coordinator. Uh, Greg Roman, offensive coordinator from the Ravens, who mm-hmm. came from San Francisco, made Kaepernick look good, ran a good system with Alex Smith, Flacco, and now uh, Lamar Jackson. You talk about a guy who can. Uh, tweak his system to the mm-hmm. players he has, which we have not seen Matt Nagy be able to do. Mm-hmm. Greg Roman is the guy that does that. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Brady down at Carolina, who may have cooled off a little bit now that Darnold has kind of fallen back to back to earth, but mm-hmm. uh, he made Ed Orgeron look like a good head coach down at LSU, made his offense look good. Um, and then a guy that I brought up was Todd Bowles, I mean, this guys he's a defensive guy. A and
3: experience.
2: yeah, I believe I brought it up on uh, maybe DeBear debate or something. I put it in the chat. I don't I remember that, yeah. which one yeah. it was. Yeah. But uh, bring him in like <clears throat> a Levy Smith 2.0. Let him pick an offensive coordinator who just let them go do their thing kind of what Nagy does now with his defensive coordinator he just let Vic go do his thing take care of his defense and he worries more about the offense but let bring todd Bowles in he'll either teach his defensive scheme to somebody and let them be the defensive coordinator with some input from him mm-hmm. and then bring in a good offensive coordinator and let them handle the offense a lot of people are against it because he's been fired but he got fired from the jets everyone sucks at the jets mm-hmm. i mean Soleil up there right now, or Salai. I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm butchering names, but he's a good Robert. coach. He's <laughs> a good coach. I mean, his 49ers defenses were amazing. And he goes up to the Jets, and they, uh, the, the Patriots put a 50 burger on him yesterday so, or, or last week. So, uh, I mean, Something's got to change, though. It,
0: Something will change. Trust me. <laughs> I, I just feel it. And Chris Watts asked a question, which has been asked time before, and I always have the same answer, is are the Bears organization a, 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 attractive to a new head coach? I think you know a lot depends. if If Ryan Pace stays behind, it will be less attractive. But overall, the Chicago Bears are still an attractive destination for any GM, any coach, because – it's a number two uh, or number three media market. It's mm-hmm. a historical uh, franchise. The team is spending money. They have state-of-the-art training facilities. Hallis Hall is one of the best training facilities. They're going to probably get a new state-of-the-art stadium.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, the, the you know the team has paid contracts. Khalil Mack, you know, uh, being being one of them. They they've got some of some of the highest priced players. So they're they're. It's not like the old George Hallis teams, where you know maybe a head coach would be a little reluctant to go coach over there because they, the stories were that Hallis was so tight with his money. But that, those days are gone. This this franchise, uh, you know, uh, uh, spends money and they they try to do the right thing, but they don't do the right thing because they just made some poor hiring decisions for some of the most important positions in the organization.
2: Yeah, I, and and not only that. Head coaches and GMs are the kind of guys at their core, I think, who feel like no matter how bad a situation is, they can turn it around. They can get, they can make this guy work. We saw, we see it with players, you know, Tim Tebow. uh, He got another shot because they thought they were the ones to figure out this guy. And, and and the list goes on and on. You see it. You see it all over the league. That's why kickers continue to, get, to to bring it all to bring it full circle. That's that that's why kickers continue to get jobs here and there because every head coach, every special teams coordinator, general managers, they think they're the guys that are going to get the best out of that group. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really feel like this would be. I mean, it sucks that we're going to be short draft picks. Uh, we don't have a first rounder, but As I've mentioned on this show before, watching college football on Saturdays, I'm not seeing a lot of guys that I would take over Justin Fields next year. So if we don't have a first-round pick, uh, I I think we'll be okay. There might be – Kenny Pickett is starting Mm -hmm. to get up there, but other than that, I don't know a lot of guys that I would take next year in the first round over Justin Fields. So I'm okay with not having a first-round pick
0: yeah, I mean, I, I would love to have a first round pick just to pick an off left tackle Hugo, right. or or some other position player of need. but yeah, the first round picks, um this season, i'm I'm not crying over it as much because I think we do have the court franchise quarterback of the future and we can still do certain things with the picks that we have, which I believe is five to surround him with some playmakers because that's what the team needs most right now. You know mm-hmm. they, they need, of course, to start replacing some of the older guys on the defense. But right now, you have made this investment into Justin Fields. You have got to get all of the weapons that he needs, playmakers on offensive skill positions, and guys who can give him protection just like Tom Brady gets protection wherever he plays, and other other top quarterbacks get that protection. I love this question from Jamal Lewis, former running back for the Baltimore Ravens. Not if the bears score over 30 points today, what does that say about Nagy being the head coach and not just a play caller to go ahead, AC, have fun with that one, man.
2: (laughs) If the, if the Chicago bears score over 24 points today, that's a huge (laughs) indictment to Matt Nagy. Uh, I, and, and and maybe we gotta, I mean, like you said, we'll probably wait until the bye week, but. We'll have to look at some things going into Pittsburgh next week. Uh, it seems like it seems like is given all this power and then he shoot, shows that he cannot handle it. So they draw it back. They pull it back from him. Let somebody else call plays and whatnot. And then uh, Mule Skinner, I'm with you. Draft a legit center. And there's a couple of them in this draft. There's, um, the one from Iowa, speaking of, uh, <laughs> speaking of out awareness out Iowa T and then I think North, uh, not North Carolina, Notre Dame has a very good, uh, center that, uh, but you don't need a first round pick to find a great center, right. which is another positive.
0: Yes, that, that historically is correct that they, you can find centers in the third starting centers in the third round. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can cite example after example. Um, I, I do think that if the Bears' offense clicks like in a way like we've never seen this season, it's going to be an indictment of Matt Nagy and whatever he is doing in that pipeline of getting ready for the week uh, in terms of an offensive game plan, in terms of the play calling on Sunday and that, that pipeline of, you know, who calls the plays, what what actions does Matt Nagy have in that play calling, whether he has said, you know, I want to run on first down or or whatever it is. And if it appears like that offensive play calling is now unencumbered by Matt Nagy, and yeah, that is a severe indictment on Matt Nagy. It is another further example is that coach, the further away that you are from this team, the better the team performs, so guess what dude start packing. You know yeah. and I hate to be so cavalier about a guy's profession and so forth but yeah. that's the nature of the job. That's the nature of the business. You know, you're it's a public position, it's a game, it's a sport. And so sometimes we have to be a little bit harsh in our assessment of guys who are clearly incompetent and Matt Nagy has now fallen from innovative head coach with a great mm-hmm. promise from 2018 he's now fallen all the way down that scale to incompetent because that's mm-hmm. what he's proven to be incompetent yeah.
2: and and maybe he's just a good OC i mean mm-hmm. we gave him a shot and it's and it's not working out we see it other places in the nfl for to to try and the 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 fight back on my assessment of todd bowles is maybe he's just a good dc we don't know but you've got to give those guys a shot and see what they can do but i feel like they've given uh Nagy a longer leash than he needed i mean 2018 was an anomaly it seems like and uh even our boy badge on here was even that year he was not so much a obl- he was stoked that we were winning games but our defense was carrying us that year, and I was—I had my bearish-colored glasses on. I was blinded. I thought Nagy was very good, and I was happy with the way the team was going. And yeah. winning cures all, but we—we yeah. we haven't won enough, and right. it's hmm. looking bleak. To yeah. be completely honest,
0: hey, Chris Watsu is over on the other side of the ocean. He says, "I reckon." I reckon does a guy from the UK say, I reckon, or is he, or or is your language? uh,
2: (laughs) Actually, actually, if you listen to podcasts from uh, like, I I listen to wrestling podcasts as well. And and a lot of those guys that I listen to are from across the pond and they say reckon. Really? Yes. Yes. Reckon uh, is something that we say here in Kentucky, obviously, but they do say it across the pond as well. And, 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 it. Uh, I think we're the only ones that held on to it. We like to hold on to our old ways down here in the south. Hey, I guess. <laughs> I, I, re- I reckon you do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. We're at nine fifteen. Um, I wanna. I wanna talk a little bit about. Um, the trade deadline is Tuesday, right? So what happens if this team loses today? Do you try to start to sell assets and build up draft picks, uh, or you know, or can you even possibly unload some of these veteran assets? Can you get anything in return? And if you can, if you if you trade away an A. Rob, what are you doing to the offense? You know, who's going to step up in A. Rob's position and be the number one receiver, Darnell Moody? Then who's going to be number two, Goodwin if- Bird? <laughs> I don't know. These guys are not proving anything. Right. It almost seems to me like the Bears are stuck with the roster they have and they're probably not going to make any trades. What are your thoughts?
2: If we lose today, you have to be sellers. Okay. It, it would suck because somebody knows they're probably going to get A-Rob for a half-year rental, so you don't know what you'll get in return. But he is the, he is the most that you're – he's not going to be here next year. He's And I don't blame him. Why would he come back? Why? So they can throw the ball to somebody else? He wants the ball. He wants to win. Right. He's never been He's never been in a winning organization. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you have to trade him. Akeem Hicks may be on the chopping block. As much as I love him, I'm wearing his jersey today, like I said. But he's getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. He's missing games with injuries, which also hurts his trade value. I don't yep. think Khalil Mack's on the chopping block. I think we're going to stick with him because we probably would need a first-round pick in order to – make up for uh, not having him, but I don't think he'll bring that anymore like he did with us. Mm-hmm. Maybe Eddie Jackson's a guy who you may sell. I think you've mentioned Kansas city before um, other places that may need a safety. Maybe, maybe you can offload him offload that contract, get some draft picks back.
0: He does seem to me somebody that could be a viable um of of interest to other teams, you know, that mm-hmm. need a safety, that they look at him and say, "Oh my goodness, this guy, you know, is a ball hawk. We'll play, we won't play him anywhere near the box. We'll just keep him out there in the center field position and let him roam around, right. Because we've got a good pass rush and let him come up with turnovers. So, there might be takers for an Eddie Jackson, but yeah, I don't see how. I, I don't. I can't think of any team that is going to say, "I want an Allen Robinson," even though I know I've got a pay him nine million dollars for the rest of the season because that's about how much he would be owed for the rest of the uh regular season and i'm probably going to lose him next season i Mm mean i'll 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 trade for him for a seventh round draft pick or six round draft pick or if you want to give me your your fifth i'll give you my fourth kind of thing so i don't know man i i i feel like, if they lose today, that even if they want to be sellers, that just that the market is not going to be there for this team. It's part of the mess that Ryan Pace has created and, and Matt Nagy has created. Right. You know. Well, Old I wonder Eugene if they. Guys.
2: Sorry to cut you off. I'm no, it's all right. Please. With that. Uh, no, 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 you're fine, brother. Say a, say a team like Baltimore comes calling, they're right there in the hunt. They got killed by the Bengals last week, but they have the same record as the Bengals. They're on a playoff hunt. They're in the AFC, so it doesn't hurt us to move him there. And maybe they say, well, look at, look what you can do here. You can be on part of a playoff run. Maybe they feel like they'd have a good shot to re-sign him. So that might be a team to look at. Or Indianapolis Colts, who have a pretty good record in the AFC, need a number one wide receiver. I, I, I mean, those are two teams that I could think of that, that we could sell to. Um,
0: and the other uh, uh, potential obstruction, like uh, uh, Andrew was just saying, I would tra- trade Mac maybe to Arizona. I don't think Arizona has the money to pay Mac right now because, because Khalil Mack's contract is the, the way it is. It's been structured mm-hmm. where they have had to now defer money to future years. First of all, it would be disastrous for the Bears cap situation to trade Mac because you still would have to owe him, the Bears would, not the team receiving him, still have to owe him the money that you've put off to 2021, I mean, 2022, 2023, when you've made these changes with his contract. And then there's still the amount of money the new team receiving him would have to pay. And I'm not sure after the, the Cardinals have paid for J.J. Watt, and and some of the other acquisitions that they've had, some of the other player contracts, I'm not sure they could afford a Khalil max So that mm-hmm. makes things even more complicated from to be a seller of some of these players, is, is cap space. Yeah. It's a, it's a mess, man. It's a mess. It's a mess. That's why I always feel that you should build a team through the draft. Yeah. I'll give you one perfect example. Leonard Floyd. I know that he was not the be-all to to end all, all, be-alls, whatever the expression is. But here he is. He goes over to the Rams, and he has an outstanding season where he had more sacks last season than Mac and Quinn combined. He earns himself a nice, big, fat contract. And right now, he is in the top 10 with quarterback pressures for the Rams. He is a valued member. You talk to anyone in Los Angeles with the, that follows the Rams, anyone in that organization, they will tell you that Leonard Floyd is a vital part of that team's defense. Mm-hmm. So what happened? What happened? We drafted a guy that should be here and Robert Quinn should not be here. A guy who has more years ahead of him than Robert Quinn does a guy who was just approaching the versatility, the, the the peak of his playing career, a guy who could guard tight ends and running backs out of the backfield, a guy who could do so many more different things than a Quint. and you gave him away. You gave him away for nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, part of the Ryan Pace fiasco. Uh, he just doesn't know what he's doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that when that's what the numbers say. Uh but my thing with Floyd is while he was here man he wasn't getting there. He he had Mac on the other side and he still wasn't getting there. The big thing in LA is they've got Aaron Donald there in the middle taking up so many bodies, you know, so much uh attention that he's able to get off and, and get through the line but he couldn't do that with Mac. I, and I don't I don't know why that is
0: well i think part of the reason was is that um his development was curtailed by chuck pagano he he Mm. spent one year with chuck pagano and and he he had his start with the chicago bears there were injuries involved and the bears were trying to figure out what they had in leonard floyd and he was still developing if you remember he came into the league as a 6 foot 6 skinny kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. And at Georgia, you know this more than I do. He played all over the place.
2: And they moved him all Atlanta. around so that he'd get there. Yeah.
0: Right. So you had this guy who he was like a, a piece of clay. Let's mold him into something and so it just took a while to, for the Bears to figure out how to mold him with Vic Fangio and then he leaves and then mm-hmm. Chuck Pagano's comes in to fuck things up. Mm-hmm. So uh, then he goes to the Rams, Brandon Staley, who's now the head coach with the Chargers, gets his gets his hands on him again. He had him uh, for a year, I think, uh, w- with the Bears, and he starts – he furthers his development. And now Staley is gone, but he is continuing his development as you would expect, a 26-, 27-, mm-hmm. 20-year-old guy to continue to get better and better and better. To me, I just don't understand why Ryan Pace gave up on such a prize draft pick when I saw a player who is, yes, underdeveloping, but still ascending and, and uh, had the potential to be a great player, all you had to do was figure out a way to sign him to a long-term contract. But who knows? Maybe he would have stayed with the Bears, and given the, how the Bears fucked things up, he would have been the worst player in the league.
2: Yeah, I mean, and we still had Pagano here. So he, even if we had signed him to an extension and he didn't know how to use the kid, uh, may, maybe he still wouldn't have had, as good of a career as he's been able to build for himself out there in L.A. And Brandon Staley, man, that's a shout-out to him, man. I I am so happy for him, the way he's been able to go from defensive coordinator, learn a little bit from Sean McVay, then go out to L.A., and now he's got that kid, Herbert. I'll go back to the offseason when Mike North was worried about uh, Justin Fields coming from Ohio State, Oregon had the same stigma around them. And Justin Herbert looks like a future Hall of Famer, the, the way he's playing out there in L.A. Uh, so, shout, so shout out to Brandon Staley. I wish we could get uh, a head coach like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and that's what worries me is that we might have him on the staff and, and Sean decides. So here's here's what I stayed up the other night worrying about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Sean Desai is proving that he can be an outstanding def- defensive coordinator. He's, he's, he's used Mack and Quinn in a way Pagano never thought about using them, and he's gotten the most that he can out of those talents.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We know that he has got player uh, performance deficiencies in the defensive backfield, but yet those guys have been playing pretty well. Uh, DHC
2: looks great.
0: Exactly. Look what he's yeah. doing with <laughs> DHC. So now you got a guy who is looking like a Brandon Staley clone, right? You know? Yeah. And so if you bring in a new head coach and you, as you should say, listen, you know, you, you bring in your own staff because this is your team. We, we want to give you every chance to succeed. So it's it's only right for you to bring in your staff. So what happens to uh, Sean Desai if the new head coach doesn't want Sean?
2: He's gonna go out there to the LA Chargers and coach his defense.
0: <laughs> exactly, he'll go over there, <laughs> and then a year later he becomes a head coach, and he becomes an outstanding young head coach like we've seen in this league. So yeah, the Vic you know, Fangio
2: coaching tree, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. So I'm worried about that, and I almost feel like you know, fire. Fire Nagy in the bye week, and let's see what Sean decide can, do, as can head do coach. Yeah, let's give him a shot, you know? I,
2: I wouldn't be – I wouldn't hate it. I mean, if you've got Mike Pitt in there, he could take over as defensive coordinator mm-hmm. or or something to that effect. I, I heard that the reason why they allowed it to be um, Tabor was because then they could let DeSai only worry about defense and let um, laser worry about offense, and then Tabor is just – like like uh, John Fox used to say, I'm not the offensive coordinator, I'm not the defensive coordinator, I'm not the special teams coordinator. But I coordinate all three. Uh, I guess that's that's that was their thinking behind that, as they would allow Desai to just worry about his thing and let Laser worry about his. But
0: uh, and, and uh, somebody uh, mentioned uh, that losing Desai is not a given. Yeah, the new head coach can come in and say, Hey, Sean, I love what you're doing with this team. Right. Please stay and so forth. So yeah, so I I'm just you know looking at it from a a desperate Chicago Bears fan that I've experienced so many fuck-ups with the Bears organization. If it
3: can't go bad, it will. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You see, you're so lucky that you did not live through the 1-13 1969 season like I did, that you did not live through the the hiring of uh, McGinnis as the head coach. Oh, no, wait a minute. He really didn't agree to a contract. So so now we got egg on our face. He didn't live through the time where Virginia McCaskey had had to fire her son as the team president of the team because he was such a fuck-up. He lived through all of these unbelievably heartbreaking moments as a Chicago Bears fan. And how long have you been a Bears fan now? About 10, 15 Uh, years?
2: Honestly, I wasn't. Like I had followed the Bears, like in high school, I, I wanted number 54 for two reasons, Zach Thomas down in Miami, and of course, Erlacher. Mm-hmm. I played linebacker. That's that was Those were my guys. Um, but when I met my wife in 2008, mm-hmm. uh, I was a Bengals fan, but a, I was more of a college football fan. I had favorite players, and then the Bengals were kind of, you know, the closest team, so I followed them. Uh, but I started watching the Bears at that time. We had Cutler and Erlacher and Briggs and Hester and Tillman, and it was just a fun team to watch, and I, I fell in love with the Chicago Bears, and now here I am, a bigger fan than she is. Actually, today we're going to be – carbon pumpkins when I get off of here, and she was, I was, she was like, I want to watch uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I was like, we got a Bears game. And, <laughs> uh, she was like, but it's Halloween. I was like, well, what's scarier than the Bears? <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. It could be a terrifying game. I could see you wearing a Cincinnati Bengals uh, uh, jersey pretty soon because that team is up and coming,
2: man. Well, they look good, and, and honestly, do. I've told Bengals fans at work, uh, you know, I'm I'm so happy for them because for years they've been the laughing. Stock. I mean, they're up there in that division where the Browns have passionate fans. We saw them. Passionate is the nicest way to put it. Uh, The Steelers (laughs) fans, who they've got six Super Bowl rings. They've got the history. They've got great coaches, a a family-ran organization that does it the correct way. We we don't see that here, but the the Pittsburgh Steelers are a family-ran organization. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the Ravens who for whatever reason, they've always had uh, that was an expansion team that did it correctly you know they used to be the browns they moved to baltimore and then they put together a great defense with ray lewis in the middle of it and they had all those great years and built up their fan base uh and then you had the Bengals, who were just the bungles They're, the the bungles gonna bungle that's what it always was even when they had a decent team put together you know when they had palmer and ocho cinco that's when i was kind of a fan so i kind of know those guys but uh even when they had those guys, they didn't have a defense or they didn't have the right head coach. Marvin Lewis was given you <laughs> so many chances there in Cincinnati. Uh, never won a playoff game. Always mm-hmm. got to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. And that's we'll another see. guy up there that got another, got a job because he was under Sean McVay because Sean McVay's system is so great. Uh Kentucky's offensive coordinator this year was a quarterbacks coach from the L.A. Rams. So not oh, know
3: that.
2: Yeah, Liam Cohen, and he's actually helping us a lot with the recruiting trail. Uh, we mm-hmm. got the. I know you guys don't want to hear about college football, but I'm no, sorry. No, please, it's, um, it's all
0: good, man.
2: We got the 16th ranked <laughs> recruiting class. We just got a commit from a four-star wide receiver last week, and we've got another four-star wide rec- or five-star wide receiver actually that is uh, announcing soon, and he's picking between Kentucky. Ole Miss in Alabama and he is to all the projections he's going to be picking Kentucky which is a huge win over Alabama you know that once Alabama offers you don't get the guys I mean I saw it here with some hometown kids Damian Harris who's playing for the Patriots and Jedrick Wills who's playing for the Browns are both from here in Kentucky Jedrick's from Lexington and Damian's from Richmond once Alabama offers, man, Alabama's—it's like Kentucky basketball. Once they offer, it, it don't matter where you're from or what Take you got mind. going on. Take they're going kids. there, and I can't blame them because they—it's a—it's an NFL factory down there. Yeah, but I, mean, I like they, the, the way
0: facilities it. that Alabama has—you know—put most NFL teams to shame.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah.
0: God, who, uh, who in Kentucky's football team, whether it's for 2022 or 2023? Do you look at it and say, man, I wish that guy is drafted by the Chicago Bears?
2: Darian Kennard. And i I know you've been on it on Twitter. You see mm-hmm. the pro the the pro football focus uh, numbers. He plays yep. right tackle here, all American. Uh the guy balls out. Uh we haven't we haven't seen him at left tackle. We thought we were gonna see him this year, but we had Dare Rosenthal transfer from LSU. He played left tackle out there, so they just stuck him at left and let Kennard stay at right. So we would have to see if he can do the blind side. But, I mean, he is a lockdown day one starter at right tackle. Uh, And I love the way he plays. He's got so much heart. And he ain't too bad at football either. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and talk about a guy who, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we were talking about needing, you know, vocal leaders. And he would fit right in for that to fill that need.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, he, yeah, he's the vote down here in Kentucky. We we uh, we're very proud of our offensive line. We call him the Big Blue Wall. Uh, John schlorman used to. I'm sorry, how I'm we get choked up here. John, oh, John Slarman played here at Kentucky, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, became our. I didn't think I was going to cry here. Uh, became our offensive line coach and he passed away with cancer last year. Oh, wow. And, uh, we're very proud of our offensive line here at Kentucky. I'm sorry, guys. Uh,
0: <laughs> Please don't be sorry, man. I, I didn't know that we had lost him. So, uh, I, I appreciate your, your honesty and, and your heartfelt emotion about, uh, losing that guy and, and and that's just a prime example of the kinds of fans that we are and everybody that tunes into this show I mean we would be crying too at the loss of somebody who we've never met before but who yeah. has done such a great job coaching our guys and, and 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 playing for our team and so forth I'd be crying too if I lost somebody like that I remember when uh Michael Jordan's father died I cried like a baby never met yeah. the guy. But I was crying because Michael Jordan was in my home on the television Mm. set, but he was on my home for 100 games a a, a, a year and doing some phenomenal things. And I was crying and I'm going to start crying now that this guy lost his father in in such a terrible way. So I'm with you, brother. And I I really appreciate your uh, uh, authenticity on that. You know, I I thought you were kidding at first. no.
2: I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't expect it. It just kind of hit me. It was like, yeah, I hear you, man. They're, I'm passionate, man. There's no other way to. There's no way to put that. Uh, and you talked about Jordan. Uh, speaking of the Bulls, man, they look fun to watch again, huh?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a terrible uh, thing that happened to Patrick Williams, a second-year guy, first-round pick from last season. This guy is such a promising power forward type. Uh, so he's out for the what looks like for the season with a broken wrist. But outside of that, this team is phenomenal. And that's a perfect example of uh, when I talk about a general manager having a vision and then going out and executing the plan. Here is Arturis kind of, however you pronounce his last name, I apologize, AK. He comes in and he has a roster that is pretty much depleted of anything. Mm-hmm. He's got very few resources to to turn things around. People were saying, ah, oh, the cap and this and that and so forth. And what happens? Somehow he figures out a way for in his second team to have all of these stars out on the team, Vukovic and and uh, uh, Levine and, and DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball. I mean, just those four guys right there. That's the four guys that you need to have a championship playoff c- caliber kind of team. Yeah, and he's got the role players and so forth so he had a vision he he, he hired a, a capable coach and now he's a got a great
2: coach uh, that was what that was like his first move wasn't it and I was like
0: exactly his okay first like move.
2: as soon as that happened I was like okay the Bulls Bulls might do a little something and then like you said I started looking at the cap I was like I don't know if they could do much and I was never a big fan of Alonzo Ball but he's come in and he's yeah I got egg on my face with that one man he's coming in and he's he had a triple double the other night he's 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 playing really well. DeRozan, I've been a fan of his since he was in Portland. Uh mm-hmm. I've always liked DeRozan the way he plays. Great
3: shooter.
0: Um,
2: and uh yeah, they made a couple moves last year even um is it is it Vujovich? Is that how you how you pronounce
0: his name? Vukovic.
2: Vukovic. Yeah, he's yeah. uh he plays well and Yeah. They, hey, we got some Bulls some Bulls shows here on the network that uh That's right. are we having some two. good shows, man.
0: Two good shows, Bulls 101 and Bulls Gold, and then see uh, red Radio, uh, our midweek show, will start in a couple of weeks or so with Tyler Ellis and his brothers. So we've got the Bulls covered up and down, and we got the Chicago Blackhawks covered, too. And I just want to say, really quickly, talk about crying, man. I've had a really a, an emotional week this week because of the sexual assault Uh mm-hmm charges uh, and and scandal with the Chicago Blackhawks. And the reason it affects me so dearly is just as a human being, number one. But number two is when, when uh, 11 years ago, when the Blackhawks were getting hot and, and smelling a Stanley Cup playoff, I took my two girls, my two daughters, my stepdaughter and my biological daughter, took them to a hockey game. They they don't like sports, but they went to a hockey game and they were like, dad, this is cool. I want to yeah. come back tomorrow. And I was like,
2: yeah, I finally We never. We never had a pro team here in Kentucky, but we used to have a semi pro team called the Kentucky Thoroughblades. And I remember watching them when I was a kid. And that it's it's so fun to go watch live. I can't watch it on TV. I try, I mean, I've tried. I cannot watch it on TV, but going to a game is it's, it's just an experience. Right? It's yeah. It's
0: different. And so, you know, we 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 started buying seats. It cost us immense, man, because we were buying off the reseller market and I wanted the girls to experience it up close near the glass and blah, blah. Mm. We went to 20 games that season, including the championship game that got them into the playoffs. And so we had a great time. Well, lo and behold, I find out this week that on that day that they won the conference championship to go to the Stanley Cup playoffs, on that very same day, the Chicago Blackhawks with the team president the head coach, and a number of other high members of the Chicago Blackhawks organization were having a discussion about these allegations that Cal Beach made against their assistant coach, the videotape uh, coach, that he had sexually assaulted him. And in that meeting, the Chicago Blackhawks coaches said, you know what, it's much more important that we win the Stanley Cup, let's deal with this later. Mm. And they didn't deal with it. They didn't deal with it, and this guy ends up Holding the cup, hold, uh, taking the cup to his home. Like every member of the Chicago Blackhawks gets to take the Stanley Cup for a day in his hometown and show it around and so forth. And then when he leaves, the Chicago Blackhawks write him a letter of recommendation. He's hired by a high school to coach their hockey team mm. and he commits a sexual assault against a teenager and the fucker is now in jail. So, You know, I got all this shit. I I could point my camera. I got all of the players. I got Stanley. them holding up the Stanley Cup from that season. And I feel like, you know, I feel like devastated. I had Mm -hmm. uh, dinner with my daughter this week, and we were talking about it. And she goes, yeah, it's definitely staying, Dad. You know, I feel terrible about it and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, you know, there's certain things that are more important than sports, and, uh, you know, uh, protecting somebody and making sure that you follow the law – when allegations uh, come forward and you do the right thing, it's much more important than holding up a fucking cup, man. So right. That's my little diatribe on that shit.
2: Yeah, kind of yeah. Right. I was in the army with some some friends from Pennsylvania that were huge Penn State fans, and I remember when that news came out. I was like, "What's what's going on up there, dude?" You know, and they were like, "Man, they, just like the Blackhawks, it seems like they were putting wins above everything else." you know and it's it and it really sucks when mm-hmm. when you have success and your team is winning and you're happy for them and then it comes out later that yeah they were winning ball games but this was going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. and i think i was listening to some of mikey bett's show earlier this week uh, he had cap on which was awesome yeah. but um, he was talking about like players in the locker room knew They were like, yeah, just stay away from that guy. He's like that guy. Like, why Mm -hmm. would number one, why would you continue to employ that guy? And number two, like you said, a letter of recommendation to a high school? Get out. I'm sorry, dude. I'm not a huge hockey fan. Mm -hmm. And I know it sucks to those passionate fans. They go in there. They play in the United Center or no?
0: Yeah, United Center. Same place as the Bulls. Yeah.
2: So they so they fill that place up, I'm sure, man. and yep. to to have something like that happen, man., Yeah,
0: it's, it's you know, and, and at that time, I remember seeing being so proud of the franchise because in the decade prior, you could you could get a ticket by the glass the day of the game because they were not selling out. The franchise was in disarray. Mm-hmm. The old owner, Arthur Wirtz or Bill Wirtz, one of those two guys, he passes away, gives the team to his son Rocky, and all of a sudden Rocky changes things around they start winning they win a cup they were a cover story on harvard business review on how to turn around a dying sports franchise Mm -hmm. we're all so proud of them but in reality they were a bunch of fucking assholes because you don't sell your soul to the devil to win a stanley cup and that's what they did they Mm -hmm. sold their soul to the devil and and uh it's gonna hurt when i take down those fucking pictures a lot of those pictures are the kids at the game by the glass talking to players and so forth it's gonna hurt that that, that memory is now stained and, yeah. and and that's one of the little things i mean in the big scheme of things that's a really small thing but it's one of the little things those fuckers who own the team should have realized when Real. they decided not to follow through that it was going to hurt people like the Gandia family and the Smith family and the Johnson family, the people that spend thousands of dollars to come and see us and interact with our team and support us. And and, uh, it's just a shame. And, And the same thing goes to the fucking Chicago Bears. It's embarrassing the team that they put out there. It's embarrassing for us Bears fans that we have to sit through a fucking 35 points being scored in the first half. It's embarrassing that Aaron Rodgers says, I own you. It's embarrassing the product you're putting out there year after year after year. Get your fucking shit together here on a Sunday morning. I'm saying it on the Aaron Current show. Get your shit
3: together,
2: man. Yeah, hey, this, this turned into the Aldo and AC bear their souls, man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could go for another two hours on this thing. <laughs> I
5: love it. I love it. Get your shit together. Get it all together and put it in a backpack. All your shit. So it's together. And if you got to take it somewhere, take it somewhere, you know, take it to the shit store and sell it or or put it in a shit museum. I don't care what you do. You just got to get it together.
0: No, take it to USC. Go get a job over there. Maybe that's what he's been doing all week. Maybe he's he's plotting his his departure.
2: (laughs) uh, Speaking of. I mean, to to bring it back to college football, there's rumors that James Franklin from Penn State is going to take that USC job. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, he was kind of asked about it last week, and he kind of fumbled over his words. Apparently, he changed agents, and his agent has a connection with USC. So, everyone's kind of connecting the dots there. And Penn State is one of those jobs that Mark Stoops here at Kentucky has been connected to. And I'm like, please god no he's finally <laughs> recruited here at a level that i never thought kentucky would be able to he's turned our program around and i'm so thankful for for him doing it here and i would absolutely hate for him to leave uh mm-hmm. obviously i would wish him luck at the at wherever he does go but uh i feel like we're on the cusp of something really good here at kentucky
0: you guys and, are man i'm really proud yeah. of the way you guys have turned around because yeah, and I rarely followed Kentucky football other than to evaluate players for the draft and stuff, but since uh, becoming a fan of the Barfly Tailgate Show and listening to your little updates about what Kentucky did the day before and so forth, I so started following them a little bit closer, and so this season when you guys got off to that brilliant start, I was like so happy for you, yeah. and uh I know the guys are like what, two, two two losses in a row, right?
2: Six and two. Yeah, we lost to Georgia and then had a bye week, and then we went out last night. And it seems like Georgia beat us again. We were not ready. Mm. Uh, Stoops will say Kentucky. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, uh, That if
0: has you, inside knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> That's he's all. Got,
2: uh, he's got. He's um, got. He's got ties at Penn State because we, we recruited a lot of the players that they ended up with. We we go head to head with them a lot. And then uh, he's also got ties at a place, Miami, who's been struggling and their coach is on the hot seat. Uh, Stoops was the defensive coordinator down there or DB's coach, one of the two uh, back in their run in the early 2000s when they had Ed Reed and Sean Taylor and, you know, those great players. Uh, so a lot of Miami fans hold him in high regard because he was uh, a catalyst of those great teams. Um but I'd love for him to stay here at Kentucky and continue building something great. His brother Bob stayed at Oklahoma, even though there was a lot of rumors of him leaving. So they do have quite a bit of loyalty to where they're currently at. And as far as money goes, we pay we're paying him very handsomely. I'll just say yeah. that he's not he's not at Nick Saban, Urban Meyer money, right? But uh, he's he's the top tier, and and the more wins he gets, uh, he gets bigger bonus. Like I think if he hits six wins, he gets like two million dollar bonus or something oh, like my
0: goodness yeah, yeah.
2: so we, we we made the incentives for him to stay very well and uh hopefully he does stay i feel like we're off the rails aldo
0: no you're doing great <laughs> yeah. man i love this i love this this is sort of like a barrier so uh uh bury your soul kind of show uh sanders is that he's got uh diehard kentucky fans uh in his family and his cousin played there a few years ago sanders tell us uh the name maybe uh
2: yeah if you can tell me the name i I might know him
0: um and then let's see what beth got yeah but like brother bob he'll stay where he has put in the work so let's hope that is the case all right let's start to wind things down here and talk a little bit about your expectations for today's game i got i'm just going to say real quick before i give my full thoughts i was on this 49ers podcast and i told them you guys are going to win this game but now after after listening to more and more about the problems the 49ers are facing, I'm saying that maybe not. Maybe the Bears are going to win and uh, we get a nice little two-game winning streak before the bye. Now, I know that might be rough for people to handle because it mm-hmm. might ensure Nagy's future, but maybe not given that Nagy is not going to be at the stadium. So, anyway, you're, you're, oh, that, uh, his name is John Forrest, a linebacker.
2: Josh Forrest. He came Josh from Forrest. Paducah, man. Uh, he was, he's a heck of a linebacker. I think he – Played for the Rams, uh, ended up not working out great. I think he got cut and stuff. But Josh Forrest, yeah, I remember him. Uh, I think he wore number 45. He had dreads. Uh, I remember actually, I'm sorry to go off track again. No, no, but I'm going to. Uh, actually, <laughs> the first year, uh, we were beating the hell out of Louisville. And I love it. I love beating the hell out of Louisville. We were up three four touchdowns. It was the first half. And I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Second half comes, Louisville grabs this guy off the bench to come in to play quarterback, Um, Lamar Jackson. You might have heard of him. He goes on to stomp our ass. Sucked, but uh, I do remember Josh Forrest got a pick in that game before Lamar came in and turned it all around, and he throws the ball up in the stands. It was one of my, before we got on the road to that we're on now, it was one of my favorite memories uh, of Kentucky. Yeah, I love Josh Forrest. Yeah. I love
3: it.
0: So shout out Jay
2: Sanders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, um, so what do you think about this week's game? And um uh, by the way, somebody has asked if you wouldn't mind sharing one of your sex stories like Dan does on Dan. <laughs> uh,
2: I don't think my <laughs> wife would appreciate that too much. Uh I don't have I don't have a high body count like it seems like uh yeah, really like it seems like Dan does. I think mine's on uh I can be counted on one hand and I locked up the one that I like the most. There
3: you go. Good job. Like,
0: I met Mallory and she is outstanding. She is, and, and she's so Chicago Southside. It's just yeah. so fantastic. How'd you get your wife to move to Kentucky? How did that happen?
2: Actually, her father, uh, he was a postman and he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. He's from Chicago. So he went to the Navy, spent some time in San Diego, came back to Chicago, started carrying mail his federal time rolled over um and then he was like i gotta get my kids out of the south side so uh he found a little plot of land here in kentucky noticed that the taxes were great the i think he had friends down here or something no family uh so he moved his family down here built a house on that little plot of land and uh and the rest is history man actually only lived in chicago until she was about six or so i remember when we first met I was like, uh, so we were talking football. I, I couldn't be with a woman who doesn't love football. I, <laughs> you you know me, Aldo. There's no way that would work. Uh, so I remember we were, I think we were 19 or 20, and we're sitting there on our car. And uh, I was like, so are you a football fan or she was like, yeah, I love football. And I was like, oh, sweet. Who's your team? And she was like, I got to pull for the home team. And I was like, oh, you're a Bengals fan too. Awesome. And she was like, no, Chicago Bears. (laughs) And I was like, what? She was like, yeah. And I said, uh, well, how'd you get to Kentucky? And she goes, uh, (laughs) witness protection program.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I
0: lost my shit, dude.
3: That's
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's marriage. <laughs> <commercial humor.
3: laughs>
0: she is so funny. I got to tell the story since we, we can't share a sex a a AC sex story. We got to at least share the story of the drink she was <laughs> drinking. Yeah, at a bar down in Cleveland. You want to share that story?
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not sure where she. I'm not sure where she first heard of it, but it's called "lick my pussy," and uh, it's her. a shot. Uh, I guess you can look at on Pinterest. I have no idea, uh, but it is delicious. It's oh. it's very sweet and a little bit of sour. It's mm-hmm. it's very good. If you guys, if the Bears need you, have you wanting to take a shot sometime today? Uh, I would I would suggest lick my pussy, but. Um, <laughs> She she bought a round for everyone, and everyone liked it. And then Aldo goes back up to the bar. We taught this little she taught, she taught this little bartender with a just probably a college chick. I don't know, with a little crop top Ohio shirt on, because we in Cleveland. And Aldo goes up, and he's like, uh, "Can I get another round of those shots?" The uh, lick my uh, and the, and she's just like. Lick lick my what? (laughs) I'm not going to make it until you let her rip. Exactly. (laughs) And so I I put my head
0: down. I go, lick my pussy. The guy next to me looks at me like dude i thought he was gonna punch me in the face or something
3: <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> oh but that was an outstanding time great to party with you and your uh better half um, yeah well, I, was I was feeling inside. pretty
2: good up there <laughs>
0: yeah you were I, when i when i saw you i saw you outside we were inside i saw you outside you're smoking a cigarette and i'm saying to myself i think he's i think he's pretty good and ripped right now <laughs> so, yeah
2: i was pretty fucked up
0: yeah but uh a uh, uh, great time um Let's talk about the game, your predictions. What are your expectations?
2: I started out the week. I feel like every Bears fan does this. Monday, there's no chance we've got. Tuesday, maybe we got a little bit of a chance. Wednesday, I think that's when the news of Khalil Mack started to come out. And I was like, well, we have no shot again. And then as the week continued, I have now talked myself into it. And – in true bears fan fashion i do believe that the chicago bears will win this game um i think it'll be a low scoring game a lot of running uh to be completely honest and do you want me to just give a score prediction right now or i'm gonna say bears win um 20 to 17. uh and i don't know why i just i just have faith in the bears and i don't know why they haven't given me any reason to uh and i know my analysis on this week's show has not been great uh do you know what your record
0: is in predictions have you been no clue
2: no clue. Probably terrible because I, like I said, I talk myself into a, either the Bears winning or covering each and every week. I do the same thing for Kentucky. It's just the fan in me, I guess. Even against Georgia, I was like, "We, well, I don't think we'll win, but I think we'll cover." And you know what? We did fucking cover. We did cover against Georgia. There you
0: go. There you <laughs> go. Well, I gotta tell you, I. I still haven't really changed my mind. I, I I'm a little bit more hopeful than I was midweek, but I still think that the Bears are gonna lose uh, today just simply because i I sense that this organization is in complete disarray. i got I got the same feeling that I had during the Trestman, uh years mm-hmm. when I think mm-hmm. it was during the buy that Phil Emery came out with the coaches and had a, uh, hey, we're trying to fix it press conference, which you know you, you rarely see from the Bears organization. I, I, I sort of feel like, and I hope that I'm wrong, that this team is going to get blown out today, uh, because there's just so, the, because the leadership is incompetent, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think they have players that can compete. I think they have players that can finish at above 500 for the season. They don't have a championship Super Bowl roster, but they have a, a roster that can compete for the mm-hmm. division championship or at least a wildcard playoff. But that's not going to happen unless they get lucky breaks and maybe yeah. Matt Nagy not coaching today is a lucky break. But I just, I, right now, like Toreen said uh, in the chat, I just got a sick feeling about these these Chicago bears. I hope that I'm wrong, but I'm predicting the 49ers to win like 27 to 13 kind kind yeah. of score. So hopefully I'm wrong.
2: Yeah. I worry about our defense. Uh, you know, not having Mac is going to be huge. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. I had a <laughs> I had a thought in my head as he was talking, mm-hmm. and then as soon as I started talking, it was like it was gone. Uh, uh, but yeah, the the defense worries me a lot.
0: Well, somebody said here something about Gruden. Where where did where did it go? Um, that the Raiders uh, Raiders without Gruden have been hot. So, so maybe maybe you know if the Bears have a victory today without Nagy. Maybe that will, you know, Ryan Pace will say, you know what? I got to save my job. Mm. (laughs) I got to get rid of Nagy. Not even wait to the bye week. Maybe on Monday morning (laughs) that you fired. Wouldn't that be weird? Somebody
2: (laughs) somebody start digging into Nagy's emails right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. When he said be me, he wasn't kidding. (laughs) So that's crazy. Um, anything else you want to cover before we pull the plug on the Aaron Kurd show? Uh,
2: I think we've covered everything from college football to NFL to uh, partying with AC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And I understand you're going to go as Mike Ditka to your uh, party today. I am going as George Hallis. Do you have a, a Ditka impersonation you want to share with us?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about Dicka, but i can try to do the super fans uh okay. the bears the Bears today they'll go out and uh don't they're gonna put up uh 80, 89 points on the 49ers as a tribute to the great Dicka. and uh bears 89 49ers negative 17. Go first.
0: <laughs> that's the funniest my <laughs> dick I've ever seen. He's got the, dick that's got the hairiest neck. I yeah, ever he's got a, he's a neck
2: head. beard down here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and here my George Hallis impersonation. God damn it. Why the fuck is this Matt Nagy coaching my fucking football team? Virginia. Virginia. Do something. Do something. <laughs> that's it, man. That's the best I got. Uh, a question here from the chat room. Let's see. Yo, Aldo, uh the Bears say they get advice from the Steelers. <laughs> that is true.
2: The Steeler right. the Steelers looked at each other was like, hey, just listen listen, this shit right here. Uh, yeah, yeah, just uh go out and hire Man, hire uh the offensive guru
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> McCaskey said that. Well, who, what advice do you get? Oh, I get advice from some of the NFL team owners, Pittsburgh Steelers, or somebody, the Rooney family, somebody that I talk to quite frequently. George, what are you doing? That's the competition.
2: Yeah. Well, meanwhile, the Steelers have had Bill Cower and Mike Tomlin for the last mm-hmm. 30, 40 years, and we've gone through multiple head coaches at the same time. Yeah. So.
0: And uh, Deborah says that special teams coach is the interim coach today, as we know. Uh, any advice that you have for Chris Tabor on his first official? And I thought I wonder if they win, does he get the one? And uh, it doesn't, it shouldn't go under Matt Nagy's record, right? He's not the official coach today. It's it's Chris Tabor. But you got any advice for Coach Tabor?
2: Honestly, I would say don't try to do too much, man. Let let uh, Desai and Laser handle their stuff. Uh, Pay attention to the clock. You know, clock management's a big thing. Uh, Watch, watch the game that's going on. There's times where we've seen Nagy miss things. You know, like caught balls that were called drops and whatnot because his head was in the play sheet and he was thinking about the next play. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you said in the press conference, he seemed like a guy who was overwhelmed. Uh, Hopefully, he's just calm and. That's right, Chris Watts. Just win, baby. That's, uh, it. that's what it really comes down to. You just just go out there and handle business man and 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 don't try to do too much. Don't overthink it, you know,
0: you know, special teams coach are usually fired up guys. They got you know they they generate uh, electricity with their coaching on the sidelines. Do you think that might be a good thing, though? You, you just said stay calm. Do you think that maybe Chris Tabor should come out there fired up and yelling and doing like a Ditka impersonation on the sideline? He, he should maybe come out in a Ditka sunglasses and sweater and stuff. Oh, we're going to see was... a lot of Ditkas on TV today, I'm
2: sure. Yeah, we will. Uh, <laughs> but, but what do you, do you think? Do you think that course.
0: maybe he should have a, a kind of a fired up attitude? I mean, maybe at this point, if he's going to let the coordinators do the coordinating right. and, and really all he's got to worry about is game management. Maybe he should uh, present a presence on the sideline where he's firing everybody up.
2: I mean, I wouldn't hate him being fired up and motivating players. But what I meant by stay calm is just like don't overreact. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if, if you think the refs missed a call or, or I don't. I, don't I, don't I, go
0: for it on fourth and fifteen like he did in, in in Cleveland, like Maggie did in Cleveland, and oh, killed our quarterback.
2: Man. <laughs> I try to forget uh, that Cleveland game, oh and my now I've got another game to try and forget. Hell, just like like you were talking about the Trestman era. I think it was didn't we play put up a or lost to the Eagles for fifty, and no, then the, it was the
0: Patriots and the Packers. Patriots
2: and Packers. But I thought yeah. the Eagles had put up a lot on us too. I remember yeah, that being a big that. game. Yeah, I remember, I remember that was like I- a it was either Sunday night or Monday night football because I remember watching it and I was like. Man, they got us on prime time. Let's go Bears. And then they went out there and I remember them being embarrassed. I don't know if it was a 50 burger, but uh that was game in was
0: 2014,
2: right? <sighs> hell, yeah, I, I can saying... google it right here. I'm sure. This no, is I got great. I got but... it. I got
0: it. Uh I got it. 2014. Let's see. They lose to the Patriots 51-23, Packers 55-14, and then the Eagles no, they didn't play the Eagles that year, but they lost um, – let's see. They lost big – Jeez, they lost their Packers 38-17. I don't see another uh, – they lost to the Lions. Don Burr is happy, 30, 34-17. Jesus Christ, man. I don't even want to look at it anymore. It's yeah. very, very depressing. Mm. Um, John Brewer says, yes, it was the Eagles, but I, I'm not seeing it, but that's probably because they got to go to the washroom really bad. <laughs>
2: So. <laughs> That's fine. My wife's texting me already. Are you almost done? I'm like, yeah.
0: <laughs> tell her I said hi. Uh, man, this has been fun doing the show with you, AC. Uh, hi. By the way, real quick question before we leave: How is the new job schedule? Because now you're off the the graveyard shift and working like normal Americans do, yeah. kind of at nine to five. But I know it's a lot earlier than that.
2: Well, I'm getting up at 4:30 in the morning to get to start work at six. Uh, I'm still getting into that rhythm because I used to be used to going to bed at around 4:30 in the morning. Yeah, uh, but I like it. I like being up. I like uh, getting home and the sun's still up, and I can go have dinner with my family or or even stay home and have dinner with my family. Nice. My son loves being able to see me every night, which that was one of the top reasons why I wanted day shift. You know, Scotty's 10 now. Uh, he's doing archery after school he does he loves playing soccer I'm trying to get him into football because he's got he's built like me so uh, <laughs> nice. he I could teach him a thing or two on the football field uh, but uh, yeah it, life's life's doing great man and good. everything's looking good uh, my football team is not looking good but other than that I'll deal with it man life is great.
0: There you go. And uh, say hi to your beautiful wife. Have a great day with her. And uh, hopefully next time we see each other, we're talking about the Bears uh, looking good and winning games. And that your prediction is right and mine is
2: wrong. All right, brother. (laughs) All right. Bear down.
0: And I just want to tell to everybody else before we leave that uh, we've got shows later after the game. Uh, It'll be Bear Football with John Buffon, Tyler Ellis, and myself. And then tomorrow, Greg Gabriel, the former director of scouting for the Chicago Bears, will be here at 2 p.m. to give his evaluation of the game and then all sorts of other programming throughout the week. Best way to stay on top of things is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll get alerts as to when we are live.
2: Hit that little follow. bell. It'll tell you as soon as we're going on, man. There That's you it. go.
0: <laughs> make sure you follow AC on Twitter is at Aaron Current and uh, my, my Twitter account at Barroom Network. And make sure you follow all the rest of the guys on the Barfly Tailgate Show. They'll be back here next week. Bobby Bobbs will be back leading the crew of the on the Aaron Current Show. <laughs> we'll see you next week.
2: Bye-bye. Right